all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But I think that some people are just better at maybe not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guest this week is Zoe Hargrave. She is a singer and an all-around sweet human being. This conversation is about fear, about not being good enough, about feeling like an asshole when you buy from corporations, and about some religions and cults that we both got suckered into in our lives. And, you know, perhaps a little warning that Getting jizzed on is probably not the pathway to God. Zoe also sang some songs live in the studio at the end of the podcast. So I took one of those songs and put it right at the start so you can hear her sing. And then also there's a couple more at the end. So if you want to hear more of Zoe singing, uh, she's got a gig this Saturday, the 12th of May, from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Yard Cafe in Mermaid. And I'll have all the details up on the post. And uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Zoe Hargrave. Hope you guys have had a good week and enjoy the podcast. Here it is. Two days past eighteen, he was waiting for the bus in his army green sat down in a Cafe there and gave his order to a girl with a bow in her hair. He's a little shy, so she gives him a smile and say, What you mess sitting down for a while and talking to me? I'm feeling a little low. She said, I'm off in an hour and I know where we can go. So they went down and they sat on. Here he said, I bet you got a boyfriend, but I don't care. I got no one to send a letter to. Would you mind if I sent one back here to you?
God's prayer said in the anthem, sing emancipated folks, would you bow your heads for a list of local vigilante? Crying all alone under the sun was the piccolo player and the marching band who knew it, and nobody really cared. But a pretty little girl with a bow in her hair. Thanks for coming to do my podcast. Thank you for having me. Very yes. exciting. Good. Oh, that tea's so nice. Apparently, <laughs> you can buy it at Pack Fair, but I hate Pack Fair. Me too. Like, it's just yeah, I get like social anxiety. I'm like too many people. It's fucked, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. There's much. something. There's something like energetic about going into a shopping center. And I don't, I don't, I don't have any idea about like how energy works. You know, like I'm not sure I'm <laughs> into that world, but. Is something so tangible. I walk into like any kind of big shopping center like that, and I immediately just feel like everyone's like just on a shopping buzz and like trying to buy stuff and needing stuff and getting stuff and hustling. And I just, oh, I just find it fucking horrible. Oh, me too. I'm like not a shopper at all. No, no. so I'm like, you've right. got really nice clothes though. Like in all of your videos and stuff, you've always got nice things on. They're always cheap. Where do you get them from? Like literally, like Kmart. Oh, or, like true. just like little. There's little shops in Burley. I'll just go along and grab things. Yeah. Anything on sale. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will literally I wear any tight ass. You have to be when you're trying to build your own life, man. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'm the same. I think I got really lucky. Like, when I was working in the mines and I had all a shitload of money, I lived with a couple girls that were really good at fashion. That was, like, their thing. They were real into it. And they were real, like... So I had the money, and I was like, can you just take me somewhere and just get me stuff? Because I don't know how to do this. I love that. And they dressed me <laughs> and bought me clothes. My sister's such a fashionista. Like, she's she's in Melbourne. Oh, so everything's, like, high-end. And I'm like, nah, I just bought my joggers from Kmart. It's yeah. $12 at Kmart. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. think, I mean, there's Kmart's got its own fucking problems, which I I, I am, I always get into gross arguments with people about this because I'm still like just as bad as anybody like for buying from Kohl's or buying yeah. from Woolies, but I have this like deep distrust of those big corporate people. And every time I go to Kmart and I see something that like, I, I just don't understand the value of things. Like how can something cost $5 at Kmart and cost $20 somewhere else. Mm. So obviously the price is $5, but what the fuck is Kmart doing to get a $5 price? Yeah, that's what Lauren and I always talk about, what's behind all this. Yeah, man. And Are it's, we giving money to a corporation we shouldn't? You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. You do feel a bit gross about it because yeah. it's like, well, what the fuck am I contributing to here? But at the same time, I don't, I don't really understand if I'm just being an asshole. Like I don't really know if I'm just, you know, like – because it's it's like one of those easy things to be like, I don't know, I don't shop at Kmart because I'm cool. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm trendy. I shop at op shops. <laughs> I don't even do that. I'm way too lazy for that. Yeah. And I've got too weird of a body. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a tight ass. 
<laughs> that's what it comes down to. I'm like, nah. <laughs> but there is something like that you can totally tell the difference between something that's like crafted nicely. Do you know when someone like really has put a lot of time and energy into building a chair or you could buy the same shit from Ikea? You'd still be able to tell the difference between the chair that was handcrafted and the one that's at Ikea. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is something I've been talking about a lot um, lately because it's a part of this this book that I'm trying to write is how we recognize like that that amount of energy and dedication and passion and love that's put into something, we can all kind of recognize it. And I think we recognize it to different levels. Like you being a singer, you would be able to feel that in yourself. Like some days you're not on. Some days you're just trying. Absolutely. Like if I'm practicing in the morning, sometimes I'm like, I'm not here. Really? Yeah, like I'm not here. Oh. So yeah. do you find like if you if you went to the like is, do you have to warm up or something or is it just like your life has to happen and then you get relaxed? No, I like I, generally I'm best if I'm alone. Like I can get my little element, yeah, and do it. But some mornings I've like I've been practicing a lot lately with gigs coming up, and I'll just start singing and be like, no, nope. it's not happening. I know, so, isn't that funny? Because you've got a voice that doesn't need practice, but you know the difference between yeah. what you sound like when you're on and when you, what you sound like when you don't. When yeah, you're it's, not. it's funny because I've been practicing and Blair's been there and he's like, oh, perfect, you've got it. I'm like, no, no. like that yeah. was so bad. Are we hearing the same thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you also are going to be way harder on yourself than you realize, yeah. but he's also going to be softer on you because he he's loves like, you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I know mm. that it that is a really a fucking hard thing being a creative person, especially somebody that's sensitive, because that's exactly it. You're mm-hmm. way too self-critical. The only reason that we're driven to create things or think about stuff in different ways is because we have this like weird unsatisfaction with the way we are, with the way the world is, whatever, whatever it is, because it's caused you to not just accept your life as it is it's caused you to be like I really want to feel this thing and I want to be better at feeling this thing and every day that you go to do that is a one step closer to getting to perfection but you never really get there yeah that's it and it feels for me it feels like out of my control like there are days I'll sit down and draw and it's just not there and then there are other days where I'm in it and then it's like fuck how can I like bottle this how can I control this yeah do you ever do you have tactics that like put you in the zone if you're not feeling it or do you just do something else um well I remember that conversation we had when I was just starting to do gigs and you're like practice for two hours a day Mm. no matter how you're feeling Mm. so that's what I've been forcing myself to do even on the days I'm not really feeling it oh good shit awesome you know what like I'm gonna have to do this live really soon yeah and on the day I might be feeling really crappy about it or really good but I'm gonna do it yes yes so I'm like just do it so whether I'm in the zone or not I'm practicing before I go to work and before I go to bed. Cool, man. So it's like, yeah. Well, and that, you're absolutely right. Like you've touched on a really good point here is that we can, we can, you, this is a pure creative sabotage where we go, I'm not feeling it. So whatever, like I'm not doing it today. And you're absolutely right. It just shuts you down because if you're not feeling it on that day, you can't let that promoter down. You can't let the people down that you said you were going to sing. And then suddenly you can't do it. It's like, no, that's, that's not okay thinking. I've, put, I've set a date mm. and I have an obligation now, so I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, my dad's flying up. <laughs> my friend from Canberra, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're, all, you're all coming. <laughs> what, what does that pressure feel like for you? That's really strange. Like, I'm 24 and I've literally spent my whole life just wanting to play music and I've like, been terrified of it. Mm. And I don't, I don't even know why I've been so scared. Like, it's just... Yeah, what is, what's scary yeah, about it? I don't it? know. Maybe it's the fear that people are like, oh, you're good. And then I'm like, what if I let them down? You know, yeah. I'm going to get out there and I, I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, you know. 
Yeah, like, are you afraid? Are you ever afraid you'll shut down and not be able to do it, or just that you won't be as good as you think you should? I be? think it's more that. It's yeah. more like you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's strange, but yeah, I just I I still I, cannot understand why we think that being creative is scary because you're know. absolutely right. It is. It's like the thing that we want to do, and it's the thing that that gets me up in the morning is that I I can't live a life any other way, so I have to do it. But yeah, I like. You're all the time you kind of succumb to this weird fear. And if you could like drill into that fear, like where does it live in your body? I, I think it's all in the mind. Like I But like physically, can you feel it yeah, when, I can when f- you think about I, it? When I'm anxious, it's sort of like the stomach goes a little. Like I get that that butterfly feel. But it's funny, like lately it's kind of subsiding a little. Mm. Like I went into the studio recently to record some songs because Blair bought me that voucher for my birthday. Red. And I was standing there and I was like, oh, these butterflies are a different kind of butterfly. Like, yes. I really, I'm like, holy crap, I'm in my element. You know? Like, that like, is so cool. It was crazy. That's yeah, fucking awesome. Like, yes, there is a really distinct difference, isn't it? When you're like deeply connected to that path and you're about to get on stage, but you know you know what you need to do. And then the other butterfly is that stupid doubt voice inside your head that's like, you're not good enough. You're yeah. not good enough. It's like, no, this is a different thing. You're absolutely right, man. Like that, um, I think a lot of people have... I think that not many people have the opportunity to feel that second kind of butterflies because the first kind of butterflies usually just like even sometimes you don't even feel the butterflies yet. You just get that like I know people that react to fear with anger and they'll just go fuck that. Yeah. Not fuck that. I don't fucking need that. You know, just like immediately shut down. It's like, no, 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 no. That that thing. There's a great book about this called The War of Art. Have I told you about this book? I think that was where I got that idea about showing up where I told you, um, even when you're not feeling it, just to do it anyway. Um, That was from that book. It's Stephen Pressfield. He's a writer. And he basically said, there's no time for you to fuck around and think that you need to wait for this thing to come and tell you that it's okay to write right now. You got to slog through the shit and you got to just keep showing up and prove your dedication. And then eventually something will come out of it. And that's the feeling, like that's the idea, is that um, even when you feel shit, even when it feels stupid, you just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then on the other side of that is that feeling, the second kind of butterflies where you're like, I did this, I'm here now, and I'm in it. Yeah, and I love that because that's like generally been my whole life, like, oh, no, I'll do it next year. You know, no, I'll feel braver next year. And it's like I'm getting a year older every year and Mm. I haven't done it. So now I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Oh, man, that's, that's so cool. What do you think has changed in you? I don't know. Like, the first sort of live thing I did was the Russian Roulette fight show. And I got the message from the promoters. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. In my mind, I'm like, nah, I'm not doing it. Really? And then I was writing. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, like, I'm locked in. You know, I've told them I'll do it. I have to do it. Yeah. And so. you smashed it, too. It was amazing. Thank you. And you're doing that same thing tomorrow. You've, so you opened the Russian Roulette Fight Show with the Australian Anthem, and tomorrow night at Eruption, this is a humongous Muay Thai show. It's on TV. It's on ah. TV. <laughs> oh, you're going to do great, man. That's so cool. It's what cool. an amazing thing. Yeah. Like it's That's so awesome. It's cool that the Muay Thai world has also given you your little opportunities. I've... I've always been um, like felt like they were two different worlds. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I felt at the Russian roulette. I was like, this does feel like a whole new world. Yeah, you know, like oh, I'm in, I'm just the musical act in the, in the yes. middle here. But 
Yeah, because it's kind of like it's like all oh, violence and creativity don't really go together. Yeah. Like I, you know, everybody that would know me has that has known me for my whole life. As soon as they found out that I was fighting, they were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and like they know that I've got a bit of that fire in me because when I used to get real drunk, I always used to like wrestle and stuff. So I knew, <laughs> they knew that there was something about me, but it wasn't like. Yeah, I've never had the like the desire to fight people. But then uh, once I started fighting, I realized like, oh my god, the things that I'm learning and fighting are actually those same blocks when I go to write or draw and I and I stop. I don't want to put my artwork out into the world because I'm ashamed or I'm embarrassed. I, I get the same thing. It's literally that I just think that I'm not good enough mm. and then I'm going to embarrass myself. Yeah, that's honestly how I feel. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to strum a wrong chord. Or, yeah. yeah, and playing the guitar is a scary one. That was what I was most anxious about because yeah. I, I started playing when I was probably 12 or so, but I wasn't the best at practicing Yeah, as a kid. I kind of neglected and I was like, oh, I've got my guitar lesson tomorrow. I better <laughs> quickly learn what, what I meant to learn. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, I spent the whole lesson like diverting him to other topics. Like, oh, yeah, I like your shoes. Or <laughs> like, oh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. Snap <laughs> a string. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh. awesome. You're like, whoops, I can't play this oh, song God, now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. was it, would you say that singing came really naturally to you and the guitar was actually something you had to work at? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. singing like, has been there forever. Mm. Like I was trying to think when it started and it's just always been there. Mm. Just grew up with music and it was just something I loved early on. Yeah. And then I think I had that image in my mind of, you know, country singers play guitar. Yeah. So I wanted to play guitar. Yeah. So man. I went to my first, first guitar lesson at six and then I never went back after because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm terrified. And it's hard. Yeah. It's the, besides surfing, I've always said that surfing and guitar were the two hardest things mm-hmm. that I've ever attempted to learn. I don't, and it's because it's physically painful too. It fucking hurts Yeah, I just had to like retrain my fingers. Did you find any relief with that um, using isopropyl alcohol? Oh, I forgot to try that. Yeah, yeah try it. It, yeah. it did seem to help me for a little bit when I was doing it. You just like put a pad of isopropyl and alcohol it. and hold it to yeah. your fingertips. And then I don't know if it dries out the skin or it makes just makes the callus a little bit quicker maybe or something. Yeah, because I'm on for like three hours next weekend. It's a long gig. Yeah, that's a long gig. Do you get breaks in between? Yeah, so I can sort of do 45 minutes on, take a little break. And have you got that much content, like that many songs? I think so. I've just been printing, <laughs> printing out a lot of songs and timing myself. I'm like, I hope I have enough. Right. A few repeats here. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Just get like the same strumming pattern but different chords. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. For me, it's always a strumming pattern. Yeah. What, is that where you start Yeah, I'm, and I've kind of got my own little thing going on mm. so I'm like I don't even know if this sounds like the introduction but oh. this is what I'm going with <laughs> so I know. that's the cool thing about covers is that you're lucky because you've got such a good voice like such a beautiful strong natural voice that really anyone's going to listen to what you've got to do either way no one gives a shit like just hearing that voice it will be enough no <laughs> it is it definitely is and and obviously the guitar behind it is just it's just you keeping yourself rhythm with yourself. Yeah. And getting do you ever find moments where you just like get into a flow of it where you don't actually realize that you're there anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Like what a fucking amazing feeling. That's cool. What does it feel like to you? It's fun. like to, before I came here I was practicing and I was practicing this song that I used to sing as a kid. And I just started crying at the end of it. I'm like what is going on? Wow. Like a full just that real connection to oh man to the music it's yeah and it does that it's always kind of done that to me it's weird and I am like a little bit of a sensitive soul yeah emotional but um (laughs) just a bit emotional emotional. but yeah like it's always always done that to me do you feel it physically in your body like I asked that I asked that same question before about the fear because um 
I feel like there are very tangible physical sensations that you get that sometimes we catalog them. Depending on the meaning that we give to something, we can catalog that feeling. Like if I associate it with a story that I'm afraid, then I have this feeling of being afraid. Or if I feel like I'm in love and the story makes sense that I'm in love, then that feeling feels the same to me. It's like an adrenaline in my chest. That's where I get it in my chest. And like it kind of yeah. like comes up. Yeah. Like yeah, kind of so hot and tingly. Yeah, in the like of your I, chest. I feel my cheeks get red and I yeah. get really warm and then <laughs> a little bit teary. Yeah, isn't that it's funny weird. too? That because we uh, we generally associate cry, uh, tears with sadness. Sadness, but yeah. I give that too. Just some uh, any kind of emotion. After every fight, I get out of the ring and I kind of like s- see everybody and sort of storm past everybody as much as I can, get alone, and I just cry. Wow, it's so crazy. And it's not that I'm, ha- I, I cannot physically put an emotion on it. There's no story. There's no reason. Yeah. It's just, it's always so overwhelming. Whatever the feeling is, it's all the adrenaline and it, it, I did it and I'm, pa- what the fuck just Maybe happened? it's like a, re- a relief thing. Yeah. I don't know whether for me, like crying tonight was like, I'm doing all this. Like, I feel like it's happening and like this weights oh. off my shoulders. I'm like, huh, I can be me. Oh, Zoe, I mean? that's so cool. Yeah, what a like, great feeling. I don't know. It's strange. I don't even know how to explain it. Well, I think, like, it's that sensation, what you were talking about before when you said, like, the second kind of um, butterflies Mm -hmm. that you got. Somehow, like, because the context of your story originally was, I'm scared, that's what butterflies feel like. And then now it's like, I'm personally walking myself off this cliff on purpose because I want this feeling. And that's a totally different, that is absolutely a different sensation. That's so cool that, like... Everything you ever thought that you couldn't do or should be able to do or should have done and you were avoiding, you're embracing now. Yeah. It's, you're literally just diving into something. And it's so weird when you put yourself out there, like how much comes. Like yeah, doing that wow. Russian roulette show, the eruption promoter was there. So then he asked me to do the next show. And it's mm. just crazy how it all comes around. Oh, yeah. And I'm doing one cafe and I just got another one message me today. I was like, oh, what is happening? Yes, man. It's that momentum. It's, it's, it's out there. One thing, I was talking to my friend Kurt about this. He just came and did my podcast as well. And um, we were, he was talking about it in the context of there being like sort of two vessels inside him. He calls them vessels, but I didn't understand at first because I was thinking like he meant like a jug, you know, like something that holds water, <laughs> like a vessel. But he was talking about boats. And he was saying that like for him, boat two is the world and your life and your job and all the shit that you've got to do and your ego. And then boat one, vessel one, is this like that feeling in your heart that makes you cry or that feeling in your heart that makes you want to sing. And and it, it's the thing that kind of like is actually driving both boats, but it's the little lifeboat. It's like the little thing compared to the this big vessel that feels like your life. And then, and so what, where this is going is that you have all these opportunities that appear in Vessel 2 because this is your real life. This is really what's happening. There are people all around because you're really connected to that thing in Vessel 1 that makes you want to do something. You are really want to sing and you really want that feeling. But um, So then when all of a sudden Vessel 2 comes and you've got this opportunity, you are like stacking on more glitter on top of that boat. 
And then all of a sudden that boat's going to get fancier and fancier, adding more money to it. It's looking like a big yacht all of a sudden. It's this big fancy thing. And you can potentially get caught up in that world. You can get caught up in that environment and suddenly be the singer, you know, and then just be like, you turn into one of those like fucking horrible diva type characters where it's just like, I need everything to be white in my hotel room. That's me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and because and, and, I can see so clearly and easily how that could happen because you're absolutely right. Like you have got this really incredible talent and people can sense it about you immediately. And now that they're seeing it, you're going to have more and more and more people get to see what you're capable of. And what Kurt was talking about is like, you have to always remember that you're this vessel. One was the thing that got you that yacht. You only have a yacht because you were so deeply connected to that little lifeboat. Mm -hmm. That little lifeboat was the thing that like, no matter what you're drowning away out in the world in your life, you come, you birthed, onto this fucking <laughs> sea of God knows what, just this yeah. complete amazing sea of potentiality, and you clinged onto that lifeboat from the age of six, as far as you can tell, is that you've been singing from that long. That was your lifeboat. And then all of a sudden, as the opportunities come, and you've, you haven't even had a yacht yet, because you've been too scared. Uh, yeah. And, and how amazing is it that now you're building this yacht? Yeah. It's a, an incredible thing, and like enjoy it. But also be aware that that little yacht or sorry, that little lifeboat is the thing that got you here. Yeah. It's a cool idea. It's a cool notion that he's brought up. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, the analogy I always use, like, or the way I describe these type of people is like uh, someone's just bought into their own bullshit. Do you know yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like like somebody wins a fight or something and then they're just like walking around like. You see, I know I see some fighters. I'm like, mm. It's gross. So cocky. And it's funny, like in the studio I was in, the producer there was saying, he's like, yeah, you should give it a go in the music world. He's like, you seem humble. Like, you're not yes. big-headed. Because you said some people come in and they're just really big-headed. And they're like, oh. no, I'm a f you know, I'm the greatest musician in the world. And I walked in so, like, obviously a little awkward. And yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, where's... Yeah, man. yeah. So it was, yeah. but that's where the magic comes from. Is and it's the the trouble with with people like you and people like me, is that we are too quick to judge ourselves. So then we'll just hide from the world. Yeah. And then and so for twenty four of your years, you have had this drive, this thing, this lifeboat that's been pushing you out to do this thing, but you've been so scared to show it to anybody. And now that you're kind of slowly putting it out mm -hmm. there, like. This is this is where your magic comes into line because exactly that thing. You're not telling everybody, hey, look at me. You're just going, all right, I finally really want to yeah. unleash this thing. I finally want to let it go. And I think either way, no matter what, nobody's perfect. I think it's really hard to avoid the glittering beauty that exists in that world. I think the best, humblest of people, you know, like they always yeah, say, like absolutely. the president seems like he's a good person until he becomes a president. And I think oh, I think it's it's other people and losing touch with reality. Like when, you know, when other people are around you and fawning over you and being like, you're just amazing. Yeah. So good. And you get to a point where like you start to believe it a little bit. And then it's like all of a sudden, Oh, I am good. I'm, I've got this because yeah. everyone else is telling you. And then all of a sudden you just, you don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah. I think that happens. Yeah. I, I think that happens too much to people that have yes men around them. Yeah, Absolutely. And so you're good. It's good that like, cause Blair's the type of person that won't 
ever let you be that person. Like no, if you that's started right. being, if you started being a bit of a fucking <laughs> dork, you'd be, like, you'd be like, gross. <laughs> yeah, who am I dating? Yeah. Yuck. I know it's so important to have good friends around you like that, like so that they can pull you up when you do something dorky. Yeah. I started getting that just yucky feeling because um, I know I'm very susceptible to that thing, like thinking I'm cool or something. And I always, I've got really, really good friends around me that are always like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but um, that's why I started that web series, like Moitarded. I loved that. <laughs> but I was, saying to, I was saying to Blair the other day that like, you're just one of those people that I think are really, you know, you just meet people you're like, they're really cool. Oh, they're really cool, and I don't know if they know they're cool. Because I like said to I'm like, I try and be cool, but I'm just like a fucking weirdo. Like, what's going on? We all are weirdos. I know. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to see yourself from the outside. I would definitely not think I was cool. But that retarded, like that reason why I did that was exactly because I've got that. I have that in me. I have that character in me I love to like think, <laughs> to actually think that I'm like good. But it's like she's a whole new persona in this. I like, love this version of one. No, it's so gross. Like I think that's one of the one of the best things. Like magnifying the stupidity inside all of us. Mm. There was this thing that I saw the other day. And I, it got me inspired to try and make another moitarded, but or another similar moitarded type of thing. And it was like a this. Oh my god, what was he trying to describe? It was a video that I came across on Facebook, and he opens it up with this like huge grin, and he's like sitting standing against the hedge, so he's got like green leaves around him. And I swear to God, he could have had a Snapchat filter with like sparkles <laughs> on his head. Like that's how gross his oh, wow. thing was. And he was like. Let's just first, before we start, like, let's just take a good breath together. Everybody. And then he like closes his eyes and he puts his big <laughs> smile. Just blessings. Blessings and greetings to all of you. I just want to share. And he was like doing an instructional video. Oh, that's what it was. It was 12 rules for an empath or something. Like 12 rules of life to live by as an empath. Oh. And so like... He's that far in his own world that empath an empath is a real thing, which is possibly a real thing. It's the idea that you can feel other people's emotions mm. to an extent. And I know I can do that, but pretty much every human being Absolutely. can because we're unless you've got autism or on the spectrum of some kind, it's or a sociopath, you are you are like <laughs> able to see cues. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the definition of somebody who's a sociopath is that they're not able to really like process social cues so they yeah, that's act right. incorrectly. Right? Disconnected. Yeah. Um, and so like all of us are empathic in a way that we all have empathy. But so then there's this like new wave thing of like I'm actually one of these empath types. Like I'm an empath. So I absorb other people's energy and it's really hard. For me, and so then this video. So he's ar- he's <laughs> like already in the world that that thing is definitely a thing that really exists for sure, a hundred percent. That's real. He is an empath. <laughs> like tick that I, box. I am. And I'm so empath. now his job is to tell us how to deal with being this empath. And fucking people that I don't know if there is an empath or not. I don't know. But he like that somebody knows so well that he's gonna write make a twenty six minute video on the twelve rules to live by as an empath, whatever the fuck that thing is. And oh my god, it was so agonizing, but so fucking hilarious. You couldn't start watching it. Yeah, I yeah. just I watched it. I I think I I lasted about three minutes until I was like, oh, I am literally wasting my life. Like <laughs> I know I find myself doing. That. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that was What's six minutes. Here? Oh, it was so bad. But like, um, you need characters like this in our lives because we need. I absolutely need to see that sometimes to remember that like. 
oh, this is a funny concept. This is a funny thing that people do. There's nothing wrong with him as a human, and I'm sure he's probably actually helping a lot of people that also are empaths in their life. You know, like, people maybe do struggle. I, I don't fucking know. I, I don't know what all of that means because I just don't really have the energy or time to dive into it yeah. to a cult. Yeah. Have you ever been have you ever been sucked into a cult? A little bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, tell me, tell me. Well, I first moved to the coast. I didn't know anybody, so I was like, Meh. and I ended up at like this what I thought was like a meditation group. No, it wasn't. Oh my god, I what was did like, they do? Where am I? I was just like all this chanting, and I think I was like a total fraud. Was it um? Was it oneness? What was it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. But I just remember, like, it, there was this big event we went to and they all started praying. To, and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, no, I'm in a cult. I've been coming here for the food. <laughs> like, I'm like, I am a you horrible. You tight ass. I'm a really shit human. <laughs> I was like, I can never come back. <laughs> I was like, I'm so lonely. I had no friends. I was like, I'll just go to this weird place oh that's so awesome yeah. but that is that's how they get you man yeah, when you're a little food. bit lost a little bit lonely a little bit poor <laughs> come you on in food. oh yeah. yeah i've done that man I, yeah. I i i did um one of my really good friends i fucking love this girl she's very smart she's so driven and she's built her own business up she's a fucking amazing person but she got into this oneness it was called oneness, oneness. and it was uh i guess based in hindu slash buddhism type I, I mean, I don't even know if that's even possible. I don't know if they can cross over. But so it was this thing that they, um, people go to India and there's a, there's a oneness temple in India and you go there and you get blessings. And then if you pass all the tests and le learn all the learnings, you can become awakened. Oh. And then you can pass the teachings on to others. Oh. So, <laughs> so this, and I didn't, I was at the same as you, just kind of, I had moved back to the Gold Coast. Like I had split up with my ex and I was a fucking drunk. I was just drinking all the time, super lost and had decided that like I needed to be an artist and that meant that I needed to drink whiskey all day, every yeah, day. Yeah, you were just sparking uh, that creativity. Yeah, like <laughs> I was just like, I'm Jack Kerouac and I'm tortured. <laughs> so shit. <laughs> so, um... So she she brought me to this meditation group, and there is something really powerful about having a bunch of people in a room chanting mm -hmm. at once. Like there is definitely yeah. Well, something. I found that too. Yeah, it's I like whoa. And it, then we all start praying to this yeah. God. I don't even know what we're praying to. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and they're like, now everybody just walk up to the front. You only have to suck his dick for like five <laughs> yeah, seconds. Yeah, that's what I thought was coming. I was like, I gotta go <laughs> yeah, before everyone starts getting their cocks out. <laughs> oh no, there is. There's actually a cult that um they this guy convinced people that he. Uh, that yeah that, like in order to accept this power into your heart you had to swallow cum oh. and he was the provider of all the cum oh yeah tactics it's, it's tactics. tactics so like yeah. yeah I mean fucking anyone can have a cult for anything <laughs> But that, um, yeah, I went, it was actually probably one of the most intense meditation things I've ever done in my life. It was uh, another big kind of group thing like you did. And we all, it was a staring meditation. Have you ever done that? No. Oh, it was so intense. You uh, is that uncomfortable? Yeah, you yeah. have to stare into I their eyes. I find that really... <laughs> Oh, it's oh. like it's upsetting. Even, you know, like even now we talk yeah. and we're far enough away from each other. It's not scary. But just bringing attention to the fact that we make eye contact makes us both go like. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I like your paintings. Because <laughs> <laughs> making eye, there's something about making eye contact that you really see the other person all of a sudden. Yeah. And you bring attention to it and it brings a whole nother level mm -hmm. of intensity. 
but so this day I um I had just kind of been broken up with sort of by somebody that I thought was my one and only. Aww. Like I really thought that he was going to be the thing for me and he let me down gently and just told me he he didn't yeah, find I've me. I've been there too. Oh, it's it horrible. Awful. And so my flatmate was like, just come come to this meditation thing. It'll help. They're, it's very cleansing. It's very healing. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I need something. And so I went and we sat in the front row <laughs> and two people that were awakened, like so I had gone to that temple or whatever, came back and became awakened, were sitting at the front. It was a man and a woman and they just like stared out at the crowd and locked eyes with you for a period of a few seconds and then they'd rove their eyes over oh. to the next person and they would just stare into the eyes of everyone. We sat there for maybe two hours. Two and hours of staring? Of staring into somebody else where I'm just oh sitting God. in a chair staring and um, it was so intense. I was just sobbing by the end of it. Like I was just crying and crying. There's something so full on about... And it was all so much bullshit. Like, I walked in there, and I was just embarrassed to even be a part of it. But I didn't want to be an asshole because I have always been that asshole. I, I grew up listening to punk music, like, oh, fuck this, fuck, you guys are gay. This <laughs> <laughs> is, like, such a shitty attitude to have. I was like, all right, now nah, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to become awakened. It was so intense. Yeah, I'm going to become awakened <laughs> through you. And then, like, then when he, like, came on my face, like, that was when I knew it was time to go. Yeah. Oh, this, we've, hit the, we've hit the finish line. Yeah. We have now hit the finish line. <laughs> and I feel like extra ashamed. I am awake. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, take this cloth of magic and wipe my semen <laughs> off of you. <laughs> I, did, I came up with an idea for a painting that ended up being a, a good painting, actually, after that. So there is something, I, there is definitely something to that, like, getting out of your own head and doing something that clears your head out, but... I don't think you have to do it that way. Yeah, I didn't find my cult to be <laughs> the thing for me. <laughs> How'd you get out of it? Um, well, so I tr we tried to leave. I was with a friend. We were both new here and we didn't know anybody, so we both went to it together. And when we realised we were, had to walk up and pray to this god, um, we tried to sneak out and mm -hmm. they, like, grabbed us and threw us back in. They're like, no, no, go pray. Say your oh prayer. My and we're god. like, oh, my God, we have to do it. Oh, that's scary. So, oh, yeah, I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and then and we just left and never came back. It's the worst for a person like you because you're so, like, kind and lovely and you just you don't want to upset anyone. I, but, I know. I'm, oh, like, I'm going to have to go freaking pray. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not remotely religious at all. Like, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I just can't. I had to do it. Oh. I was there. My boyfriend in high school was a born-again Christian. How was that? Oh, I was with him for two years. I loved the shit out of him. He was so cool. He, he was a really cool person, but at one point he was like, this is a really big part of my life and I'd really like you to come. And it was to like a youth group thing that um, Americans are so, we just do everything too hard. Like we go way too deep into everything. So they like brought busloads of people up from Texas, these born again Christians, <laughs> like buses and wow. buses and buses full of them, filled up this church with all the, it was like a whole weekend thing. Apparently like they used the Denver Convention Center for some of this crazy thing. It's the youth camp weekend, whatever the fuck. So it, he was like, it's a really big deal. It only happens once a year. Will you please come to one of the events? And I was like, all right, just pick the least weirdo culty one and I'll do that <laughs> with you. And I went and, um, it was so crazy. They started out like they had like a DJ and a band and they had like a real charismatic MC as that they, was, yeah, as they do. you know, like yeah. the young, he was like young, he's like 24 or whatever. He's like, hey, champ. Yeah, man. You know, he was real cool. He's <laughs> cracking jokes on the mic, you know, and then like uh, they had, they had some game that they played that was like Fear Factor and they took 
um, Burger King, McDonald's, and Wendy's, three different fast food places, uh, brought a full meal of it and then put it into a blender and blended it all up. And then the challenge was who can drink it the fastest. Uh, oh. And and then you won a prize. Like you get a <laughs> whatever. So they, this is the whole thing. It was like all these games and events and everyone's like party down and this live band's going to play. It's so cool. And then they started the sermons. And that charismatic MC guy started started it off by being like, just going to clap your hands to some music. And all of a sudden I started feeling this like rhythm in the room where everybody's like really getting a bit serious oh, and a wow. bit deep. And then this older guy came in that was the preacher and he started talking about just fucking hellfire and brimstone. Just that if you don't accept Jesus into your heart, everyone you know, everyone you love is going to be in eternal damnation. They're going to be burning to death. I would have been to death. Yeah. yeah. And (laughs) and immediately I'm sitting there going, instead of it making me feel like, oh, fuck, I better accept Jesus. I was looking around going, how the fuck do you dare talk about me or my family like that like this doesn't make me want to love you guys or it doesn't want to make I don't have any appreciation for what you're trying to say because literally all you're doing right now is just making me feel like my entire reality is wrong but I'm looking around at people and I'm going like haha like this guy full of shit like what what the fuck is like everyone else like you we should be pointing and laughing at him right now because he was so vehement so intense and like really getting all about it and then i looked over at everyone and they were just fucking enraptured wow and people crying and like rocking in their seats like yes i know i'm a wretched wretched i need it was so fucking crazy and it's so hard to understand isn't it when you're not at all there yeah. Like uh, someone asked me once, they're like, you know, why? Why don't you believe in this? What's I'm like, because it's just not something I believe in, you know, and I can mm. respect the fact you do. Yeah. But don't sit here and criticize me for not thinking there's a God. Like, yeah. It's not and my it's, reality. It's just not your reality. Does yeah. it, you don't feel it. And I think my argument is, is that everybody has their own way of describing the feeling that we talked about before where you're singing and then all of a sudden you start crying and you can't mm. really understand why. That feeling, I think, is universal. But people have put weird labels on it because they're trying to make sense of it. Mm. Um, so someone's called it Jesus. You know, like I, I 100% believe that people do get that feeling when they think about Jesus. You yeah. know, if that's their world and that's what they're into, they really do. Yeah, and it's nice to think that. that someone can have comfort from that. Like that's, you know, yeah. that's what they're... To an extent, I suppose, until they start killing people for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's where you, you got to fucking draw a line because it's like, what are we all doing here? If if my belief system is going to shatter your worldview and your reality, then both of us have got a problem. Yeah. It's not you, it's not me. And so, like, I being this asshole kid looking around at everybody and going, you're all fucking wrong, is wrong too. Neither one of those is the right answer. But when any one of us, like, because this is the trouble, is that life is so confusing. We don't know why we're here. Nobody... Nobody has any idea That's like it, what consciousness yeah. is. What the fuck are we doing here? And so then um, we've come up with these narratives to try and live by. And then when someone challenges that narrative, you have one of two options. You either listen and take on whatever wisdom you can from it or share information back and forth and then walk away as humans. Or you knuckle down, double down, and go like, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Because it can be scary. I mean, imagine like, have you ever had any psychedelics? No, no, the um, like, I feel like 
that moment where somebody finds out that maybe God isn't real or something, like somebody that's born as a Christian and then all of a sudden they just get a mind-blowing experience that just makes sh- shoves Jesus out of their heart. It's you gone. Know, yeah. Whatever it was that happened. And and it's not necessarily a good thing. Something could have happened to them. They were trekking along fine and then all of a sudden Jesus is gone. That's a lot what psychedelics feel like to me. It's like that you think that this is a hard table and I drink water and I do Muay Thai. My name's Lorna. And then all of a sudden you have a psychedelic and it's like nothing you ever believed is real. Wow. And this whole thing that you believe to be yourself in this reality is a different thing. And and it's at the time it seems so real that you come out of it going like, Jesus, fuck. Like I what is happening? Yeah, yeah, what is this thing that we're in? And really nobody knows. And every time you kind of draw attention to it, people get really uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause why not? I mean, like that's a scary feeling. It's funny because I remember being in I went to a public school when I was younger. And we had scripture there. And I remember sitting in on scripture and I would just like look around and be really uncomfortable. Like as a kid, I'm like, this feels so wrong. Like I don't want to sit here and do puppet shows with Jesus. Like this isn't (laughs) my thing. Like, and I worked it out. What felt wrong about it? I think they were just telling stories. And in my like six-year-old mind, I was like, no, no, that's not factual enough. You know, like. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. And then I went home to mom. I'm like, no, I don't believe in this. She's like, that's cool. You know. Yeah. I'm like, can you please write me a letter so I don't have to go to scripture anymore? I don't want to do this anymore. Wow. They did that so, in a public school. Yeah, I thought that was really weird. That is weird. Yeah, every every Wednesday. And I didn't want to be there. Isn't that funny that, like, I wonder what it is about people, like, some certain people like you, because you are, like, obviously very open-minded, very receptive, very kind, that you, like, why is it that some people don't become, um, like, stuck in those cults and other people do? Like, I don't know that there is a universal kind of... I, I think it probably happens with life situations a little bit, but it is confusing to me that some person could s- sit down and be like, no, this is the truth. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I am, like, I tell, I like to listen and, and hear people out, but I know my limits. Like, I'm like, mm. Mm, no, that's not... Yeah, that's I'm so uncomfortable. I'm shifting from this. This isn't... Yeah. not okay with that. Do you feel like you're um, pretty in tune with, like, your intuition? yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, like, <laughs> the empath side, but I think that, like, I do, I get feelings where if I if I feel like a situation's really uncomfortable, I can, like, I need to shift from that and I will pull myself out of it. Yeah. I just get, like, a really intense feeling or just situations I'm in. I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay with this. I think, um, yeah, we, we get, we tend to get, like, disassociated from that feeling. But also, I, I have a really good friend who tends to believe that feeling so much that she really shuts down a lot of options in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think this can be very confusing. I've come up ag- against it with, with deciding whether or not I should continue fighting. Yeah. Because on one side, fighting is scary, and it pushes you to your limit, and it's that jittery, yucky feeling that you get, like, when you're considering doing something dangerous or yeah, scary, and you're yeah. like, no, this isn't right. And you have to push through that to achieve something valuable. And then on the other side, there's this very strong voice that's like, this is not for you. And then it's like, well, which one is the doubt and which one's my intuition? Which one do you listen to? And I don't, I still don't know the answer to that. And it comes up in a lot of situations. And it really kind of the only way to do it is to do it, like do the thing, whatever it is, and then go, oops. That's not what my intuition <laughs> yeah. was right. Yeah. And then you get slowly closer at differentiating between those two voices. Yeah. 
And you must be finding that now because you're saying yes. Yeah, well, it's funny, like, when people would say before, just go do it. I'd be like, oh, no, like, I just love to sing, you know, let, let me let, let that just be my thing that I love to do. I don't want to mm. perform, but I did. And I could feel it. I was like, I know you want to, you know, you're yes. just being really stubborn. And <laughs> so you had the voice, you did know deep I down did that, know. that voice. I was just terrified and it was just that that fear of I'm not good enough can't do it shove it down shove it down and just pretend it's not actually what you want to do you just something you love to do yeah yeah that is such a shame that that fear stops people isn't it yeah and like now that I'm doing it I'm like ah like I just wish I could go back and like do it like shake myself and just do it yeah why didn't you do it sooner but that's the thing too that you can't control any of that I think we um, one of the worst traps that we can get in is to be like, oh, I should have done that differently. Because yeah. it's like, well, th- what the fuck is the point of that? Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking now. Like, you're here now, you're doing it now. Just mm-hmm. just yeah, ride it, ride going. the wave. It's good. Yeah. Should you, yeah, man. Yeah. I think that thing too is that we always get really caught up in the idea that um, uh, other people are ahead of me or that other people have been doing it longer or I sh- I'm not qualified enough or whatever the fuck that silly idea is. But there's something really powerful about just taking action. Mm. We, you, you, that is your doubt voice. Your doubt voice is always going, oh, there's other people that are better or, you know, technically better or, or they have more followers. You know, like now we have this really gross, tangible horrible, way. We like validate ourselves on likes and Ugh. I know. It's, yeah. It's, that's what scares me about my future children. I'm like, holy moly. Like this is, yeah, this is life now. <laughs> it's I know everything they do is going to be, me. yeah, like coins stacked up one of the things that i think though if it can be argued that it's a benefit of social media um is that potentially people well not not social media necessarily but let's just say the internet is that we do have an option now of being more critical of everything Mm -hmm. all the time so any information that's coming into you like i think that these really intense old religions that are so rigid in their beliefs are eventually just going to have to go away because there's just way too much contradictory information coming through. Like we have that much access now to information and so many different opinions and ideas that all before all of those people that had these cool ideas were exactly like you and me and hiding inside a shed, (laughs) you know, like kind of singing sometimes or kind of painting. Yeah, always in in the bathroom or in my room. I'm like, I still shut the door when I practice sometimes. But I was like, just you can open the door. Yeah, I need my minute, you know, like, and and there, I think, yeah, it's you have to, you have to go. This is the other thing about it, and that's what's so creepy about social media is that you do have to have that time on your own to develop yourself and figure yourself out. And if all the time, if every day you're just in there like putting more pictures up or putting more posts up just to get more and more and more and more and more, it's like you again lose sight of that little lifeboat because it's all of a sudden you're again just like looking for some extra validation. It's just like a drug. It's just yeah. like the cheap way of doing it. And I, I get it all the time when I feel like I'm not doing enough or I get like, um, yeah, like, fuck, nobody's really listening to this podcast. And so then I'll like get the sensation that I need to just do something on social media. Like, oh, I just need to post something. And then I always stop myself and go, gross, man. You don't yeah. need to be that person. Yeah. And and that's why a lot of my social media stuff is just stupid. Like, just stupid as fuck. Because I want, I, I, I make funning, I make, make funning, making fun <laughs> of myself because I absolutely have that in me. I feel like you need to create stuff. Like, I feel like, I literally feel like I'm dying if I'm not 
making things all the time, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, I get like that too. <laughs> like I just, I'm like, oh, I need to create some music or. Yeah, yeah. Have you been writing your own songs? Not a whole lot, little bits. I've like kind of collected things over the years. Yeah. And like now I'm trying to piece them together. Good. Now that cool. I'm. Because when I went to the studio, the man was like, go write your own stuff and come back. He's yes. Like, he's like, even if you just have four chords, we'll write it together. Yeah. So it was really cool to be like, oh, okay. Oh, man. Because yeah. you, you, at a baseline, you have got this unbelievable voice. Like, absolutely mind-blowing. So that thing, like, from a start, you have got an incredible talent. And then just be you being the person you are, you know, just your nature, you've got the ability to make something fucking incredible. You really can. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome man what do you um what stops you from songwriting what do you feel like is getting in your way um I just get a bit cluggy with it like I'm sort of like mm. where like I have and it's funny I'll go for a walk and I'll be like dancing and like I've got a tune nothing's there you know I'm just like this yeah. is it and then I get home and I go to write it I'm like damn it yeah what what <laughs> so, I think it's more true like putting the two together the music yeah. and the words and but yeah I've got a bit of a booklet that I've kept over the years cool some little things I've written. I think um, I think things feel cheap when you put them into words sometimes. Yeah. You know, like when you're walking and you've got that tune in your head, it sounds really cool. And it's giving you that little feeling inside your chest. It's really like making you feel connected mm -hmm. to it. And then you try and bring it from there into reality. Yeah. And then it like, seems cheap. Yeah, I do that. I'm like, oh. Yeah. That's it's, really shit. Do you know what that is, though? I think uh, this, again, goes back to what Stephen Pressfield's talking about, is that that's resistance your job as an artist is to go this is actually a Jordan Peterson idea but um similar concept your job as an artist is to go into chaos go into that infinite potentiality and bring something back and make it tangible for us here so we can feel that feeling that you get in your chest when you made it mm. so when you were walking and you had that feeling inside your head or your heart that made you feel like you wanted to make that song it's your job to filter it and bring it out. Yeah. Even if it feels cheap while you're starting it, get through that sludge, get through that shitty part because you, it is still only a potential until it's a reality. And when it's a reality, it's, it's going to lose a little bit magic. It has to because magic lives in potentiality yeah. and your job and my job and all of our jobs as humans is to keep finding that infinite potentiality and bringing it into being. This is why you create. This is what a creator is. You're giving birth to something. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Give me chills. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what it's there for. You know, like when you connect to a song, and, and, so, and many people won't connect to the song in the same way that you do, but whatever it was, whatever the artist was trying to do at that moment, when they pulled the chaos through and you got to experience it, they succeeded. Even if one person gets it, they've succeeded. And so that's your job. Your job isn't to be good at it or get more likes on Instagram. Your job is to figure out what that magic feeling was and give birth to it. Make it something. And, yeah, we all get stuck on that point where you have to start making it something. Yeah. And that's, that's my goal now that I'm doing this. It's like now I need to create my own, my own stuff. Yeah, make it real. Yeah. Bring it into the world. I think um, that... Like a, a little bit of this comes from a loss of needing to control. That can also help a little bit. I, I've noticed it with some of my paintings. I have an idea in my head of what I'm trying to get across. Like this thing here is an example of it. Um, that I have an idea in my head that I want to get across. This idea that we 
like to spend time out in that place, that place of magic, like the infinite potentiality, because it feels like a dream. It feels like mm-hmm. home. It's yeah. like there's something so fucking infinitely powerful when you connect to a beautiful song or where you're in a flow state or you're just playing your guitar and no one's listening and no one cares. You don't even care because you're not there anymore. And then every once in a while you have to you have to come back. You have to live your life. And so this painting is exactly that. It's the idea that infinite chaos lives out here and then it's time to go home. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go home. And so while I was making this painting, I was trying to like conceptualize it. So I, I have a feeling, I have a sensation that I want to make that concept a visual thing. And so that there's infinite ways of doing that. But I'll sit there and work and work and work and drag it, drag it through. And I've got really attached to this idea that like, okay, so it needs to be an eye. And the eye is looking through a keyhole. And then the keyhole is like full of dots. You know, so you have this stupid thing inside your head. Yeah. And you start doing it. And then all of a sudden it morphs and like... What I've ended up with here is just like a lake where a girl's walking back towards a broken highway. And it doesn't, like, that never occurred to me that that's what it was going to become. But yeah. the idea was, so the the, nece- the necessity to bring an idea forth drew the painting out more so than my idea of what a painting should look like. Does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, and I love that. That's kind of like a weird ramble. No, to I, get there, I love that. <laughs> the creative ramble, I like it. So, like, the idea is that um, the idea that occurs to you in potentiality is strong enough to pull you mm. to that creation. So if you're attached to an idea of, like, say you want to write about something in this feeling, and you're getting that feeling, and you're getting that feeling over and over and over again, once you sit down to write and it feels cheap, you, you know, you, like, sit there and think, like, why is this feeling cheap? Because I'm too attached to this. That's exactly it, though. Like, I'll have... I have this whole idea in my mind, a story that I just want to tell and I'll like hold on to it and then I'll start to write it. I'm like, this isn't what I want it to, you know, this isn't the story that I'm trying to tell. What do you feel like gets off track? I think with songwriting, like there's a bit of a structure. So I think I get caught up in the whole like I've got to rhyme it here or this or that, you know. That's why I love to write as well on the side because I can be a little bit more flowy in that sense. Mm. Um, But with songwriting, it feels a little more structured and... I get a little bit lost in that. Yeah, and that you have to repeat and bridge and hook and whatever. Have you ever studied like that, like the mechanics of song building or any of that? No, I haven't really been wanting to do do that. Yeah, because sometimes there's... As annoying as it is, because you don't want you don't want to like follow a formula, because then you feel like you're shutting yourself down. But when somebody like gives you technical advice, like oh, here's here's an example. I was asking somebody who's a realist painter. He paints things like hyper realistic, so they look like photographs when he's done with them. He's incredible, and he does it digitally on an iPad. It's fucking amazing. That's crazy. Um, And so I was like, how? I was like, man, water is really hard for me to paint. I really struggle with water. I have no idea how to do it. How are you making that? And he goes, oh, water has two properties. It either reflects what's above it or reflects what's below it, and that's it. That's the only thing it can do. And then just that simple point was like, oh, my God, I've been all the time trying to paint the intricacies of what water is and like what that they're shading here and they're shading there and what is that doing. When he actually just told me the mechanics of it and the simple facts of the physics of what water does... I was like, oh, that's so simple. If the wave is coming forward at this angle, it would be logically reflecting the sky. And if it's rolling at this angle, it's logically reflecting the bottom of the ocean. So whatever I've painted the sky in, roughly, needs to be that color of that water at that piece, at that part. And so now I can paint ripples 
because I understand the physics of it. Wow. So having somebody just tell you like, oh, this is the right structure here for that. This needs this kind of cadence or, or whatever works for songwriting. It may help minimize the amount of potential you have. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can kind of break it down into what the physics of a thing is. I, d- I don't know, like, if that would help, but... Well, actually, now I think back, I did go to a... I went to Nashville around 2015. Right. Yeah, it was... Oh, my God. My childhood Dixie Chick dream. Yeah, <laughs> I, was home. Like, I was like, holy moly, I'm here. And I did sit in on a songwriting class. It was just like a quick, maybe half an hour session. But they did talk about that a lot, the mechanics, and just like, bring this here, the bridge, now back to the verse, you know, chorus... Because it's almost like it gives you, it's like a little treasure map. Yeah. Like it'll help give you, because in creating things from potential, it's infinite potential. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. And it's like almost sometimes the possibilities become so overwhelming that you just shut down. And so having like that little skeleton to work with, maybe, yeah, maybe does kind of pull your idea together. So major idea is I want to tell this story and I'm not going to let any bullshit, clutter, ego, rhyme get in the way of mm-hmm. telling this story every time i use the wrong word because i'm trying to be cool i need to check myself and go back to you know the reality of what the story is i'm trying to tell and then follow the roughly the recipe and then you have something to work with at least yeah and that's what the producer said is i just bring a little something in cool like, we'll create it together what's the first story you want to tell um i think about my friend josh with down syndrome I was trying to write. I was trying to write about that the other day. Just like I was just thinking how much he shaped me as a person, and like just trying to put that into words of like this amazing friendship that's like just dictated so much of my life now. So I met him when I was fifteen, sixteen, and he, um, yeah, his mum put him in mainstream schooling, and, and it's funny looking back because I try and remember how we became friends, but it's like he just picked me out of the crowd. Yeah. He's just like, mm, yeah, her. You know, she seems like she'll she'll help me or, you know, she'll be my friend. And yeah. And we just had this crazy connection, this really beautiful friendship, like yeah. still really strong now. And he's just he's just I can't even explain it. <laughs> he's he's amazing. But like from then on out, my whole life was like, Oh, okay, I wanna be in the disability sector. Oh wow. I, I wanna yeah, I wanna break the stigma and just so I have I've been in the field since I was nineteen. Yeah, well. So I did voluntary work before all that. And, yeah, and it's still, like, such a fundamental part of my life, mm-hmm. like the disability sector. And that's why I, like, have all these plans and dreams of, like, integrating music and disabilities and creating groups and yeah, just, yeah, and it all started with him. So it's like, oh, how do I write, cool. a, like, a thank you song for, like, helping me get here and making me me? What would oh. you want to say to him? Like, if you could just say sentences. Um... No filter, don't filter yourself, just say them. Well, I was just talking about, like, his emotional intelligence and just, like, I remember being at school and, like, if I'd had a really crappy day and I'd maybe had a little cry in the toilet at lunch and come back out and pretend it never happened and no one would notice, but for some reason he did. Like, he'd be like, oh, you know, and he called me Yui. (laughs) Yui, like, with his arm around me, he's like, you sad? Sad? Like, he just knew? Yeah. And I was like, how he's just so in tune. And he was so in tune with me. Yeah. And um oh, how cool is that that somebody yeah. doesn't let you hide? Yeah. I think I think there's something this is why we seek true love and friendship and all of it is that we can actually just be our authentic self. Like wh- you don't I said this to somebody recently. You don't fall in love with me necessarily or anyone. You fall in love with the you that you can be with me. 
It's like the, the reason why we like being around each other is because we don't have to be anybody else. Yeah. We just are. And it's, it's not me that you love. It's that you are finally you mm. and empty. You know, it's just like you can be you. And so when you like think that you're supposed to be a person at school and then this kid is just like, uh-uh, no. I can see exactly what you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those rare souls you meet and you're like, you just like shape <laughs> so much of who I am. Rad. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. Yeah, man. Well, that'd oh, be yeah. a good song. I'm, now that you've told me that you mm. have to do it, I'm gonna every day at sparring hit you in the head until it's <laughs> out of you. <laughs> 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 Block. <laughs> Block. What's the next verse? Block. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe we should start that. That'd we'll start good. like, uh, yeah, like creative idea group. Like it's the, our creative group, but you have to come to sparring. And whenever you try and give me some excuse why why you can't You're just do gonna something, punch me in the face. I'll hit you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> You'll definitely punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold back. Uh, <laughs> well, play us a song if you want to. Would you like to do that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll stop this recording for a second while you get set up. Okay. Hey there, Mr. T and me. You don't know how lucky you shouldn't spend your whole life wishing for something bound to fall apart every time you're feeling empty better thank your lucky stars if you ever feel Never want a heart. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And hey there, Mr. T and me. You don't know how.
There's a guy in Byron who does these gigs on a beach and he always plays this song like three times. I'm like, fuck yes, I'm like, <laughs> fucking love it, I love it. Dude, it plays like he's played this like twice already. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I might play it twice in my gigs. <laughs> it's a sucker dick. It, that is such a great song. I remember like just listening to that song when I was a little kid. My parents used to play it at my house and I was just like, fuck, Bonnie Wright. So good. Ultimate, yeah. Oh, cool, Zoe. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. That's so good. It's so nice. Thanks, guys. How you feeling? Are you pumped for your gig I'm, tomorrow? I'm excited. Yeah, I man. You're going to do great. I'm excited. Um, so if people want to listen to you sing some more, what do you got going on in the next little while? So I have 
like gig wise, mm-hmm. what have I got going on? So my first sort of big gig is at the Yard Cafe. That's next Saturday on the twelfth. Yes, from two till five. And it's a mermaid, right? The Yard Cafe is a mermaid. I'll put the details on mm-hmm. this post so you guys can have it, but also I'll put it on the link on Facebook. Um, Yard Cafe from two to five, twelfth of May. Yeah, twelfth cool. of May. Yeah, Saturday. So yeah, it should be exciting. That's it's, awesome. It's the first gig, so. Yeah. Oh, you're going to do great. That's yeah. awesome, man. See what goes from there. Yeah, thank cool. you. And um, people can follow you on your Instagram. Yeah, so Instagram, I have a SoundCloud account, which is just Zoe Hargrave SoundCloud. Okay, That's mostly cool. where I pop, pop most of my music. So, yeah. And then Instagram, Zoe Hargrave. Yeah, just Zoe Hargrave. Cool. See, see my dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> little Bailey. Mostly Bailey. Oh, well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for being in here. And I can't wait to see where you go from here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye.